0: She's a former public school teacher turned stay-at-home mom. He's a talk show host who's made a career covering politics from afar. Now, Christine Stagall and her husband Chris have chosen a new path forward for their child in Christian education. Join them as they explore and experience this important alternative and education for the first time. Welcome to Making the Leap. Federal level really doesn't have much say on what happens on um, and education in your schools. It comes down to it's very state-based and very locally based. And I know that a lot of parents, um, and I do absolutely encourage going to school board meetings and working on a very local level, but often parents find that it's to be a very frustrating process.
1: Welcome in to this edition of Making the Leap. Glad to have you here today. Thanks a lot for downloading this show. Uh, giving it the five-star reviews and the written reviews are so critically important and you keep doing that. And we're thankful. I also, have to thank um, our friends in the online space, in the digital space, uh, in broadcast. You know, we've been kind of reaching out. I've been reaching out to some of my broadcast colleagues and asking them if they'd talk up making a leap and introduce us to some new folks. So I thank them. Rosanna Parsons, uh, a woman who writes on Substack at a site called Chaos and Control there, she wrote a beautiful I don't know if you've read it all yet or not. I have, yes. Uh, she wrote such a kind yes. review of this podcast for her Substack audience, and I told her that I would um, share some of it here and let people know to find it. Again, Rosanna Parsons is her name. It's called Chaos and Control if You're a Substack User. It's headline making the leap, viable options in the face of a decaying uh, decaying public schools. Um, she kind of sets the table and explains What lesson are we teaching children when they watch grown men dressing as over-sexualized women? Is it possible the ultimate goal is uh, not to send a virtue signal of acceptance, but actually a gateway to creating confused children who will break ties with their parents and ultimately accept the government as their savior and religion? She goes on to talk about why we have created this podcast uh, for parents with children in the public school system, as well as in private schools. She says the Making the Late podcast airs regularly, presents alternatives for our children's education. The podcast features guests who give their take on exploring alternatives to public schools, which many parents are fed up with. And uh, I won't read it all to you here, but uh, she, uh, she says, Unfortunately, public schools no longer advocate for traditional American values based on our Constitution and natural rights, now openly push for an America-hating agenda. Moreover, they now have taken on the role of ultimate arbiter of social and cultural engineering in the most extreme manner possible. Options for parents seeking educational alternatives are most certainly available today. And with the help of podcasts like Making the Leap, a positive way forward for our children becomes clearly within reach. It was so, so well It was. Nice.
2: It was and it, even as I listen and I know the information that's in there and I've read it, it still gives me chills yeah. when I think about, first of all, what we've been able to do, but then also what is still left for parents to, to take care of and to think about and to be aware of because it's, it's such a an undercurrents i you know i think of course we know it's it's becoming much more visible the changes the things that are happening but there's still this slow kind of under undergrowth i guess of things that are happening and i i love that she's bringing attention to it that was really kind of her
1: yeah thank you for um, letting folks know about it uh you know i just have i mean it's i could do every, <laughs> we could just sit
2: and talk uh, every about every
1: single yes. day i do my radio shows There is at least one story like this. Headline, Pro Trans Group explains how they embed gender ideology in schools. Pro Transgender Organization explains how they use children's books to embed gender ideology in schools and get it in front of kids. Something called GLSEN, or the Gay Lesbian Straight Education Network, sheds light on how the organization seeks to embed gender identity in schools. Somebody who runs something called Rainbow Library explains they send these LGBTQ plus affirming books to schools and libraries for free and that some of the books are even aimed at children in kindergarten. He goes on to say that a, uh, they put a major emphasis on books that center the voices of trans and non-binary people as well as books that center the voices of LGBTQ blah, 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 blah. Um, Later describes the first step is getting in front of kids. I mean, he's honest. Sure. Uh, also yeah. says the program is a stepping stone for inclusive curriculum at the district or state level. Literally almost every day of every week for the last several months, this subject. Here's another one. CDC pushing for school administrators, nurses, and teachers to embrace the LGBT movement and embrace related curricula in educating students. Federal agency posting documents to its youth website entitled LGBTQ Inclusivity inclusivity in Schools, a self-assessment tool. The page includes several drop-down menus with resources for professional development, tools for supporting LGBT youth, health considerations for LGBT youth. I, I, I feel, I mean, I'm, I'm in my mid-40s. I'm not that far removed from public school myself. You're not no. that far removed from being a school teacher. And it feels like, we still have friends that are teachers. Sure. It feels like every day it's this sexuality identity stuff that's being and I, discussed.
2: I, I really, I just, I think about what I taught. I think about the books I was teaching. I th- think about the conversations we had in the classroom. There just wasn't time or a place to be pulling all this in. And so, if this is, if this, not if, because we know this is what is happening, my heart breaks for teachers because they can't just focus on their language arts curriculum or their math curriculum or their science curriculum. It's this. This is becoming the top. Um, focus and it's becoming um, much more commonplace and it's everywhere. We
1: had, I told you about this friend of ours stopped me in church to tell me that their daughter, uh, who I think is in sixth grade.
2: She, I believe that's correct. Yes.
1: Has girls in her midst, multiples. He said, this is one dad sharing this with me in passing. His daughter has multiple girls in her class that now believe they're boys and ask her regularly if she finds them attractive. Now, I, I don't put that on teachers. No, no. Mm-mm. But what do you put that on? Well, here's something well, interesting.
2: How about that group that's trying to put the books in the libraries for free?
1: That, that group? Um, <laughs> I, sorry, not for nothing, but you got this in the mail the other day. We did it at our own house. <laughs> Ready for that? TikTok family parenting guide. Um, And this is an extensive mailer. I mean, it's thick and it's full of, you know, since 2019, TikTok has been a proud national PTA sponsor in support of PTA Connected Create With Kindness program. PTA's multi-sponsor initiative to promote digital access, equity, well-being, citizenship, security, and safety for families. I, now, look, I don't, again, I know I'm going to sound like an old-timer. No, but no. if you don't think this has a lot to do with that story that I right. just shared about all these little girls that think they're boys.
2: 100%. Well, and the irony of that also not just the fact that of course that's why there's girls everywhere or boys you know starting to think oh well maybe my DNA is just wrong, you know, no. Not only that, the irony of a the PTA or any other parent teacher organization or teachers organization advocating for more electronic use yes. rather than step back from the electronics because that's also kind of a problem as we all know we know that social media while it has its uses and it has its benefits we use it for this i very much enjoy keeping in contact with people there is a time and a place and i'm an adult and i am not an impressionable kid where now apparently it's okay it's you know to pair up a parent teacher organization with tiktok and say sure this is all good. There's nothing, you know, nothing to look at here. Let me tell you also how to be more responsible about it. I find that to be not only ridiculous, but offensive as a parent. I don't like that at all.
1: For those of you listening and can't see it, I, um, and I should have probably gone into more detail explaining this. This is a big fat eight page mailer that came as junk mail in our mailbox from TikTok.
2: Right. Right. And that's
1: TikTok produces it. (laughs) It's right. a, it's a it's a piece of TikTok propaganda. Right. And it is a partnership with the National Parent Teacher Association. Now it says on a couple of different spots it does. in tiny print, yes. National PTA does not endorse any right. commercial entity, product or service. No endorsement is implied. Well but, <laughs> but they say it's a collaboration between TikTok right. and the national PTA. Yes. So how if it's a collaboration, then how's the endorsement not implied? Right. So
2: of course it is like that's what i just that's what i think is crazy and if we're reading this and we're smart enough to look for the small print to use some of our um, our brain to kind of differentiate some of this information that's one thing you know that the majority of 10 11 12 13 year olds they are not reading that as a they're discerning not working with their parents no and they're not working with their parents and they're not being discerning and they're not being thoughtful consumers and they're not like oh well okay because i do think in there it also it probably says something about i think it did say something about it's not a you know this isn't should be tiktok's not the end all be all like you should obviously use tiktok with yes it some says, careful you know it, careful behavior here's what
1: it says it's easy for parents to feel intimidated or out yes. of the loop
2: Oh, my gosh. When
1: it comes to TikTok or any app, don't worry. You don't have to be a technology expert to help your teen safely use TikTok.
2: Don't worry. Use, use TikTok safely. Would yeah. they like to talk about how many kids have endangered their own lives based on things that have happened over TikTok? Views TikTok, the stories that come up in TikTok. That's the most ironic statement, most ridiculous statement ever.
1: Everyone should be respectful of themselves and others, be mindful of what they post, and understand how to use any privacy settings, security tools, or blocking and reporting mechanisms. It's important to keep the lines of communication with your teens as open as possible and have ongoing conversations about what's appropriate for them in terms of privacy settings, time spent online, types of activities they're engaging in. So look, uh, this is not to suggest that, um, you know, a private Christian education keeps your kids from using TikTok. No, not at all. This is a parenting thing. But I just, I wanted to call your attention to this. I don't know how many, I would assume many, many thousands, maybe millions of parents like us got the TikTok family planning (laughs) pairing guide for parents in the mail. But this is culturally what we're up against. Now, to be fair to teachers, this is not a classroom teacher problem. Mm -hmm. This is a social media, kids digesting social media, little girls showing up in a classroom. I think I'm a boy. Do you think I'm attractive? Like, I just don't. I feel overwhelmed as a parent who yes. has a daughter in right. private Christian school, and right. we're tightly controlling this stuff. Right. I, I, and
2: watching even not just her, but watching the other two. And I, I mean, I ask them all the time, like, "What are you watching? What are you seeing? What's that about? You know?" And some of it surprises me. Some of it um, doesn't surprise me. Some of it's just fine. I mean, I will look at TikTok and like the the cleaning TikTok. You know, I, I'm like, "Ooh, look at the look at the fun organization videos." They're not looking at that. Like, that's the difference. And so, but you're correct. That's not a teacher's problem. But what it is, is a teacher is up against that. TikTok's advocating, oh, look at us with the Parent Teacher Association, even though we're sort of, but not really connected with them. And we still have to teach you our curriculum, which, by the way, is now being infiltrated by what you just read in those articles
1: gender ideology i i can't i still you know we have so many friends who are teachers to this day who don't show up to counsel kids about maybe they think they're a different gender but this is what we're culturally up against and if parents hand their kids social media and then hand them off to a school good grief is that a recipe for disaster you don't stand a shot no let me just be very clear if your kids are constantly and i'm not Don't misunderstand me as being a purist here. Our kids are on social media too. But if your kids are doing nothing but consuming endless social media and then you send them out for eight hours a day to a group of people to uh, manage their um, adolescence... Well, I mean good luck.
2: And let's you don't stand a shot. I'm just gonna say it too, and this I know this will probably upset some people, but while I don't think most teachers want to spend time on that, there is definitely a sector of teachers who have no problem spending time on that, who have no problem sharing what they believe to be. Absolutely, Johnny. You think you're a girl now? Awesome. And off it goes. There's there is that faction of teachers, and I do think it's small. But it's pervasive and it is definitely real. And I think it's something that people will want to be aware of. Parents should just be aware of it. And if you have that and you have TikTok and you have uh, Twitter or you have any, you know, whatever other apps I'm sure are being, you know, created and and utilized every day. (laughs) Right. Snapchat. That's, oh my gosh, that's a lot. It
1: used to be you'd raise your kids K through 12 and then send them off to school. And that was always, boy, they came home and they were some crazy... Uh, you know, some professors, you know, or they lived off campus for a while, and then, boy, they lost their minds when they came right. home for Thanksgiving. Not anymore. I mean, we're we're cutting out th- college. I mean, they're right. like they're baked in the cake before oh, they graduate from high before school,
2: before they even get to high school, before so, they even get there.
1: I don't know. I don't. You know, yeah. I, I don't mean to wring my hands about it. It's um, ultimately, as a parent, we're all going to do what we think is best for our kids. But this thing that we're up against with social media, I, I mean, I wanted to say to my friend, you know, all due respect, I. I don't know, when you're talking about a sixth grade girl who's already being surrounded by that, I don't know her odds. I guess you mm-hmm. try to arm her and right. teach her up as best you can, right. but you keep sending her into the lion's den, and I don't right. feel like she's got a fair shot at it. I, Anna and I were talking about this the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, you know, <laughs> sending you to a private Christian school was a decision your mother and I made for you, not because of academics. right. And I think she thought it was. Right.
2: No, I, well, right. Because I mean, I, well, she's I, getting
1: a great academic is. education. And she
2: and I did talk a little bit. We have talked periodically about some of the gaps that we were seeing, too much of the technology. You know, we did a little bit. But no, I think it's important to keep reiterating <laughs> for her. I'd love for you to get straight A's,
1: it. but this is about a Don't character. Care. And right. she said, and she actually said, well, um, you know, you can't, you can't bubble wrap me forever. I said, you're right. Of course we can't. Nor no. are we trying to. no. The point is giving you a basis, like, you that know. That
2: biblical worldview yeah. so that when you encounter this. Yeah, like, it's not, you we can't how. keep
1: you from it. Right. We know you're going to encounter it, but you've got to have a fair shot, mm-hmm. a fair start. Right. you got to have a place where you learn a counter view. Right. Um, when you're just seeping in it, it's just you know, when you're just constantly soaking in this madness every right. single day. Like, you don't stand a shot of hearing an opposing point of well, view.
2: Well, and we've said this before. I've used this phrase, but to keep. I I believe church activities or, you know, praying together as a family, um, going to school the way she does, that is to help her develop that base of, to remind her who she is and who who's she is really. She is God's child. She is not a child of TikTok. She is not a child of America. She is not a child of culture. She is a child of God. And we have to remember that not every, well, we do know that not every parent either believes that or is there yet. And nope. so that is, I think, what I continually pray for when we hear stories like this, because we know, we know those parents have every good intention for their kid, but you can't send them into the lion's den until they are armed and equipped. And that's, I, I think, getting that basis at a, with Christian education, I think is essential.
1: I don't, I at least, if, if I've got to hand my child over to this and she succumbs to it, I'd like to know that I at least gave it my best effort. Right. And, and, I, and we were not, I was not, as a father, giving her no. or any of our kids my best effort in trying to arm and equip them for, right. for this r- relentless secular thing. Because these people that I've been reading about today, oh. these pro-trans groups, they are, again, right. we go back to that thing in our, in our daughter's school. Whoever wants the next generation the most, we'll get them. Mm-hmm. These people want your children They want your children, and they are moving heaven and earth to get at your children. And I think most people listening to this show are not in this camp, but wouldn't it be lovely if the universe of parents out there wanted for their children's futures as deeply as these lunatics that wanted them. (laughs) Which Um,
2: is why we have guests on like who we have today. We have somebody here from focused on the state of Missouri and we know we have, I mean, we get reports all the time. We know we have listeners from across the country. This is Missouri focused today. Um, But we have people in states across the country and we're going to be talking with Cece Tompkins um, who is with a Missouri organization who are working to help equip parents, make choices for their children, advocate for their children, yeah. learn to speak with their legislators, the people around them about these issues so that we have choice options that you know that are in existence. Yeah, this
1: conversation is good for anyone listening who's thinking uh, about this. Wherever you live, I think it's a good framework to think about wherever you live and whatever state you live. This conversation is more of uh, kind of guide rails as to how you could negotiate Mm -hmm. a conversation with your own state rep. Uh, It it applies whether you're in Missouri or not, I think. You'll enjoy the conversation.
2: We're welcoming in today Cece Tompkins, who is the Director of Outreach with SEAM, which is the Children's Education Alliance of Missouri. Cece, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. We're looking forward to it. I, we were just kind of talking about the last time we saw you, which I believe was in November, late November, early December, when you were here at Herzog with the um, education rally, where we had speakers come in, parents were coming in, different organizations, uh, legislators were talking about the different political and educational issues that are facing parents and teachers today in the state of Missouri.
0: Yes, that was an excellent rally. That was a great turnout and some excellent speakers.
1: So for uh, you, as the state of Missouri is uh, concerned, you know, people listen to us in multiple states. Uh, explain for folks what SEEM is to Missouri and also if there's anything that you know of like it in other states, Cece.
0: Yeah, so SEEM um, is a 501c3 nonprofit, and um, we work on K-12 school choice legislation um, but specifically we're a grassroots organization that mobilizes and works with parents and other grassroots advocates to really have their voices heard by elected officials so um, what that looks like is taking groups of parents to the Capitol, organizing local meetings with legislators, and just working all around the state to engage on education issues. Um, there are uh, various other organizations around the country that do this. Um, there's a lot of small nonprofits. We're really the only nonprofit in Missouri that works specifically on school choice.
2: Okay. So I'm curious just for my, like as a parent um, of, of kids with our, you know, within school districts, I've gotten emails about, you know, trip to the Capitol, come down, talk to the legislator. And even in knowing some of the things I know in the background that I have, um, the familiarity I have with a little bit of it, it's still a little intimidating. Um, I think for, at least for me, I'm sure for other parents, can you share a little bit about what, a, what an event like that would look like? What would it What would a parent um, gain by doing that? What would they need to be aware of or know if they were going to participate in something like that? Because I think that is important. I think there are a lot of parents who kind of feel like, what do I do? My hands are tied. I'm not sure how to um, handle certain situations that are coming up in my district.
0: You're right, really. I do hear from a lot of parents that it can be a very intimidating process. It's hard to know where to begin as far as you know you may have one particular issue with your district do you go to the school board do you go to the state capital who do you speak with and um so seam really is here to help parents not only navigate their individual issues that they're having perhaps with their district but also be, be, a, provide a structure and provide training and provide the support that parents need to go through those various different ways of advocating. Um, we provide trainings for school board meetings and, um, since our focus is more on K-12 uh, statewide legislation, we really hold parents' hands all the way through that process from, um, providing a training in advance to, you know, helping them get up there with the transportation and um, arranging meetings and going to offices. And parents usually after spending a day at the Capitol come to realize that these are just people. These are people that you elected. They should be listening to you. And the and Missouri State Capitol is your place. That is your capital. Mm-hmm. It belongs to the people. So just really, once you've had that introduction, it becomes, you know, much more of a comfortable space to be in for sure.
1: You know, I think, CeCe, that a lot of times we see on the news, whenever a state capitol is involved and people go to the state capitol, there's a lot of acrimony, there's protests (laughs) outside, there's flag waving and horns honking and that sort of thing. (laughs) I would guess this is a much more understated, literal visit where you schedule time with your legislative body, reps and senators. And then I would ask, how receptive are they? I think key to it in the limited amount of time that I've done it is to be informed Uh, so that you're not wasting your own time and not wasting the representative or the senator's time. But how receptive have you found legislators to be when parents go there armed with facts?
0: They are extremely receptive. Um, You're correct that a lot of people think that when you're going to the Capitol, it's about these big rallies and almost like a protest type thing, (laughs) picketing in front of the building. But that's really not the case um, for most organizations and the work that they do. And when talking to legislators, they say they would much prefer to sit down with the parent and really listen to their personal story than see them in a rally out in front of the building. That's just not quite as effective as far as changing their minds. Um, par- the legislators are so receptive to parents. They understand that parents are taking you know, time off of work and making often a two or three hour trek to get there. And they are more than happy and love to hear from parents. Um, they sit down, they'll listen, they'll you know, take your testimony that you whether it's verbal or written that you provide to them and share that with other legislators. And um I d rarely do I have an experience that is stressful or um or an occasions where I would say they're not receptive. So
2: what a great opportunity. I think that's amazing actually, because it, it like you said, this is our state, right? This is where you live. These people work for you. You elected them. And I think it is important to get to know them. And it takes some of that um, mystery away. And it puts everybody, I think, on a little bit more of a level playing field, which is important. Does it
1: take multiples to engage? I mean, can, do you, can you do it with one or do you really need a body? I mean, how do you start a movement, Cece? Or is it just about people being heard with their respective representatives?
0: Um so i I mean it can look various ways. I, I personally am a fan of taking smaller groups and um a lot of times individuals go on their own without us once they've kind of learned how to navigate the building and learned that it is their building and their their state capitol, but I think those small meetings are much more impactful than coming in large groups. I think those real one-on-one connections, it's all really about relationship building, and that can also happen outside of the capitol building. So it's about having multiple opportunities to connect with your elected officials. So often that's not just at the state capitol. Sometimes it's sitting down and having having coffee at your local coffee shop within their district. So, I mean, those types of um, interactions really are the most impactful. And and it's, you mentioned building a movement out. So, you know, it's hard to think of a movement as one meeting at a time, but it really does become that. I mean, throughout session, you've got five months. And if you have parents coming up there and having these meetings day after day in small groups, um, it just, you're staying in their ear and um, you're not letting them forget about your issue. And um, it does, but it does really become a movement.
1: I don't want to, you know, speak down to anybody that understands this, but I think a lot of people don't, Mm -hmm. given the conversations that I've had with others before. So I want to clarify for people, uh, your state rep is not like a member of Congress in Washington, D.C. They represent a much smaller footprint. And as you said, it's five months out of the year. So this is not their full time job in many cases. Maybe they're retired or maybe they have another job. I mean, these are people that are in a very limited window of time. It's really not their full-time work, and they represent a fairly intimate-sized constituency. So I say all that to say uh, this is not some monolithic uh, (laughs) congressional office like you'd think of in Washington, D.C. I think sometimes people conflate the two. Mm -hmm.
0: No, that's correct. I think that's a really important um, point to make because, I, again, I think that there's this idea, and that's what's so intimidating, is it's like these big famous people that have <laughs> these important DC jobs or something. No, you're right. There are folks that you know maybe um, have a real estate firm down the street from your house, somebody that maybe you've cross paths with on a daily basis and not even realize they were your elected officials. So (laughs) understanding that they are just people in your community that care about your community. They want to hear from their constituents and they're called representatives for a reason. They represent their constituents. So um, it's just that's what, that's what they want to be. They want to be there to connect with the community and ensure that the community is, um, being most, most heard and most impacted by their particular decisions and votes that they're
1: making. And just one final thought on that, and then I'll shut up about it. <laughs> it's important, I think, to also clarify, and I know because given that you're the director for a Missouri-based uh, firm, <laughs> you're going to confirm this, far more can be done about education and education freedom in your state by speaking with people in your state capital than could ever be done by lobbying people in Washington DC. True or false?
0: That is very true. Um, The federal level really doesn't have much say on what happens on um, in education in your schools. It comes down to it's very state-based and very locally based. And I know that a lot of parents, um, and I do absolutely encourage going to school board meetings and working on a very local level, but often parents find that to be a very frustrating process And what happens on the state level is going to have the most impact on what you see happening in your child's classroom.
1: So learn these people's names. Right. Because a lot of people don't. I mean, again, I'm not deriding anybody, but if you walked around, I always like to say on the radio show, If I had a $100 bill in my pocket and I walked the streets and I'll give it to the first person that can name their state rep or their state senator, I'd have $100 Mm -hmm. in my pocket all day long.
0: (laughs) This is absolutely true. When we do our advocacy trainings for parents, that's probably the first thing that I teach them is how to look up their elected officials. And, And you're right. I mean, nine, almost 10 times out of 10, people do not know who the elected officials are.
2: And that's no small thing I've, you know, we moved here recently about, well, it's not recent anymore, but about a year and a half ago. And I had to go from learning our former state to this state and just kind of relearn, you know, boundaries. Well, and they
1: redistricted recently. And they redistricted everything.
2: And so it was crazy. And it was not, you know, sometimes people think that it's this big conspiracy theory. I don't. I just think there's a lot of information that needs to be found. And there isn't always the easy click, click, and I have my information, you know, you might have to search a little bit for it. So I laugh because that is what I did for quite some time was sit there and try to figure out who is my state rep, you know, who are the people in charge of the city that we live in, who, you know, who is doing what so that I can figure out who just who to kind of pay attention to. Because like you said, a lot of this does happen. Locally. It's
1: work to be a good citizen, Cece. It's some work. It takes <laughs> it some is. work.
0: It is, it is. It takes a little bit of extra time. But honestly, once you once you start down that road, you realize it doesn't actually take a whole lot of time. It really only takes just a couple of minutes to email your legislator, or pick up the phone. Um, and, you know, you were mentioning it could be a little tricky to know where to go to look to see who your state reps are. Um, but house.mo.gov, the House website, is very handy. Mm-hmm. And I really love looking, actually reading the bios for um, my representatives yeah, yes. because often I do find and get those personal connections and see how they're connected to my community. I might see, oh, wow, they went to the same college that, you know, that I did. Now I've got something very, you know, close to co- something that mm-hmm. connects me with that person on more just, a, just an issue-based um, conversation.
1: Is it a good so, idea to lobby your representative specifically, or can you speak to people that don't necessarily represent where you live? Is that what, What's your strategy there, would you say to people?
0: The most effective is um, going to speaking with your local elected officials. They always listen to their constituents first. Um, But often, I mean, it depends on your issue. You may find very quickly that your state rep is not necessarily in support of your issue. And um, you may find that it's probably not going to be a great use of your time at the state capitol to continue speaking with them on the same subject. Um, So staying in touch with nonprofits and your thing is education, staying in touch with us um, to be able to know who are the folks this particular session. It's so hard to track. You know, we have got these newly elected officials to know exactly where they stand and, you know, who to connect with um, to know that you're going to be the most effective when you're there.
2: So when you mentioned, um, I'm just going to pivot for a minute because you mentioned it earlier, school boards and what you do to help parents with regards to school boards. Do you speak with just parents in advocating for themselves in front of school boards or do you help with actual school boards and how they run? What is your role with that? And I'm sure it varies from place to place, but I was just curious because that's a hot It's a hot topic. And again, we're gearing up for another round of candidates and who's running for, you know, what position and in what location. And so I think in the spring for
1: most districts, I think probably around the country, the The spring is coming. Right.
2: I don't know if it's the whole country, but I know
0: it is here for For sure. sure. Yeah, it is here. Um, As a 501c3, we don't work on elections, so I don't work directly with school boards Mm -hmm. in that process. But I do okay, work okay. a lot with parents who are working on those issues. So if they're working on okay, elections okay. or if they're wanting to just go to school board meetings, I can definitely give them advice and prepare them. Um, and it's actually very similar to the type of advocacy you'll see going to the Capitol as far as testifying in committees. And um, so just a little bit of, of prep work, knowing how to get in front to prepare your story for you know under three minutes to get in front of the school board, just some really basic um, you know, tips.
2: Do you find you're working more with people that are coming from smaller school districts, suburban school districts, urban districts? Where do you or is maybe it's just all across the board?
0: It's really across the board. Um, I think there's this conception that the failing districts are in these large, you know, urban areas, but they're failing districts in small rural communities. And I think especially since covid, parents really got to see You know, they got a front row seat um, and seeing what their children are learning and how the districts operate. And I think parents all across Missouri um, are really getting involved in that.
2: What is one of the, I guess, top issues that you're helping parents with?
0: Uh, the top issues, I mean, our our focus really is on school choice, which mm-hmm. is you're not going to see very often happen on a district level, although there are occasionally right, right. districts who are a little bit more open-minded and thinking about the ways that um, schools function. Um, but, you know, I, I, I work with parents on any number of issues. And, you know, we've had parents talking about issues with special needs and how they work with special needs students in their district. Mm-hmm. A lot of parents have had issues with um, various curriculum that has been um, been brought to the school. And so it's really totally across the board. I mean, there's a lot of concerns um, with parents in a lot of school districts.
1: Where would you point to successes per seam? Mm-hmm. I mean, give us a, a success story. Is that in a uh, a lobbying effort at the state capitol is that in a school board meeting where a board took up an issue because someone you trained uh was credibly vocal about an issue
0: uh, well i would say probably one of our the biggest successes as of recent is the passage of the most scholars program mm-hmm. and i really contribute the success to that to all of the grassroots efforts and All of the advocates um, that went to the Capitol, that made phone calls, that um, came to our trainings. Um, It took, I mean, it took really honestly about 10 years of advocacy to make it happen. But in the past couple of years, parents really showed up in large numbers and very frequently. And I think that's the key at the state Capitol. The um, lobbyists for the teachers unions, they're there every single day. And you really have to have a louder voice and a consistent presence to make that happen. So uh, um, if anyone's not familiar, sorry, go ahead.
2: No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead, please.
0: I was just going to clarify that the Most Scholars program, um, for anyone listening that is not aware of it, is a brand new scholarship program um, for students with uh, IEPs and low-income families um, to be able to uh, use $6,375 every year per child for either homeschooling expenses or private school tuition. So it's just created a whole new avenue and pathway for parents to find success for their kids.
1: That uh, that effort is just the beginning. I know you'd like to see it go further. You said that it took 10 years to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about it on this show too, for people that don't know. I mean, every state is kind of doing it a little differently. This is sort of the entry level, the dipping in the toe of the pool, if you will, here in Missouri, where uh, taxpayer funds half of your tax, you as a citizen, half of your tax burden can be donated to these institutions like the Herzog Foundation, and then these scholarships are granted. So uh, it it's great, but it's I'm sure at SEAM and UCC would say it's not not exactly where you want to be. It's a great start, but you'd like to go further. Places like Arizona that say. Hey, here's the entirety of what we spend per pupil. You take it, you spend it where you'd like. Is that the end destination for you?
0: That's definitely the end goal. Uh, we would love to see that every child in Missouri qualifies to receive funds to be able to utilize um, in any way they choose, and you know, so m- the ultimate goal is for the money to follow the child. Um, we did we did pass a very successful program here for its first time out of the gate, but there are definitely still limitations with it as far as geography, as far as a parent's income level, and a variety of different limitations still. And so we are going to be actively working to expand this program. And we may not get to where Arizona is by next year, but you know, it's incremental changes. So um, we'll be plugging away and chipping at it. And I think there's something like already eight different bills that were filed this session to expand ESAs.
1: Wow. Yeah, because I was going to ask that. Yeah. Is the momentum for this, do you, do you see the momentum fizzling at all? Has it slowed at all because people, like the COVID thing, is kind of calmed down a bit, or do you, is it still as intense?
0: I haven't seen it slow down at all. Um, parents right now really? are coming to us in droves still, wanting to get involved. And if anything, the, you know, this New Most Scholars program has shown a lot of parents where there still is a need for growth. There's quite a few families that feel like they're being pretty much discriminated against because their address (laughs) isn't in an area in which they would qualify. So there's a lot of parents who are eager to see growth and change still here in Missouri.
2: And so if they wanted to, um, if a parent wanted to find out more, wanted to start um, maybe reaching out and talking with a legislator, maybe wanted to attend something where they go down to the Capitol, what would be the first steps that you would encourage them to take?
0: I would encourage them to honestly just email me or call me. So, okay. um, and my email is cc at dot org. That's C I C I at theme C E A M T E A M. Dot org. Um, and I would happily discuss more because there's a lot of different ways to get involved and, um, it doesn't always have to be going to the Capitol and, um, we have various ways that you can, uh, we make it easy to connect with legislators.
1: And I know you don't speak for the entirety of the country, right. but if there happen to be people listening that aren't in Missouri, would you gather that there are a number of different states that have organizations like a or do you know of them? Or what would be a way somebody might go investigate that?
0: Um, that's Yes, there are, in various different states, um, organizations. I know, like, for example, in Illinois, there's Empower Illinois, Um, and there's national organizations as well that have uh, folks that work regionally all over the country. So there's American Federation for Children is a great organization and they can get you connected with a local grassroots nonprofit, um, in your area. Perfect.
2: Well, I really thank you so much for giving us your time today. I know that this, you know, these education savings accounts, they've been a hot topic. I know, Parents like us, you know, just a few years ago kind of sat feeling like our hands were tied. Um, And I think it's it's people like you working in the capacity that you're working that are really helping to cause some great change and a great movement that's kind of sweeping across the country. Well, and when
1: you went to speak to the school board for the very first time, wouldn't you have loved to have had a (laughs) scene? Yes. (laughs) To check in with. Yes.
2: <laughs> yes. And I was comfortable getting, you know, for the most part, comfortable, a little nervous, but I, you know, I, there are so many people that were sitting there saying, well, I don't want to get up. I don't even know what I would say. What if they shut me down? What if this gets crazy or, you know, so yes, I think an organization like this is massively beneficial. So I'm, I'm really grateful you took the time today to talk with us and we look forward to talking with you in the future.
0: Definitely. Thank you so much for bringing awareness to the
2: subject. So. absolutely.
1: Thank you, Cece. Thank
2: you. There was a lot of great information in that conversation with her. And I I really just kept thinking I wanted to be like, yes, yes, because, you know, I go to, um, I've gone to some local, um, you know, conservative women type organization, yeah. like organizational meetings, some that are um, state uh not state run, but they deal with local elections, they're more official. And then I've gone to some that are just in a in someone's home. And, you know, it's moms, mostly moms getting together. The other one is, you know, a mix of people, but there's a lot of hesitancy involved. And so I think listening to somebody, talking with somebody like CC, and how awesome, just send her an email, ask her what you can do. I think those are key first steps. So when somebody says, I just don't know anymore, yeah. well, here's, here's an option. Here's a woman who will talk with uh, you.
1: State reps should not be I mean, we we they're not untouchable. Uh, we work with a couple here in the building. Yeah, state reps are um they're they're your neighbors, literally. I mean, right. you see them in the, like she said in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't don't be intimidated by right. your state capital at all.
2: And and I definitely think learn who they are. When I read about the meet and greets, now I I do probably more than some people, not like as a pat myself on the back, but I'm, I'm aware of who's who I know names. I recognize faces. You speak sometimes at places. So I go and I have met some of these people, but on average, most people don't. And I don't think it's too hard while we're all busy to take, you know, maybe an hour of your time. If your you know, state rep is (laughs) having a meet and greet at the local taco restaurant, go just no. go and say hi what are you about tell me what you think about this issue where did you grow up get to know them as a person and though that takes away some of that um that wall that kind of exists that says you're up here and I'm down here when really we're all we're all right here together but we as always we um we appreciate Uh, The listenership. We appreciate the reviews.
1: Five star reviews and written reviews are so appreciated. It's how we grow and expand this podcast. If you think somebody would benefit from hearing it, I always, you know, if people are new to this show or just hopping in, I I really, you know, I I do another podcast that's news and politics. Right. And every day's, you know, kind of a different day. And so hopping in is one thing there. But with this, Mm -hmm. I think each episode, I hope, brings some unique perspective and value. So, I really would tell you that if you're hearing this for the first time, I hope you'll go back and listen to the mm-hmm. whole series of episodes we did throughout 2022 uh, to get caught up because e- each conversation brings some new perspective that we didn't know before. So and check let it us out. know
2: what you're thinking. You can send us an email. You can reach us at hello at com. You can reach us on Twitter, making underscore the underscore leap podcast. Um, Instagram and Facebook at Making the Leap Podcast. Those are always great ways to get us. Um, I we actually I think um, more than anything value that interaction and that commentary that we get from people who are listening um, and communicating with us because it helps us to know what you want to hear about and it helps us know that we're doing something that is important for people to be hearing. So as always, just if you feel free, you'd free be a to good contact guest, us or you know yes. a good guest. Yes, Yeah,
1: pitch us guests too. we always like. To always hear from enjoy people. that. Until then, we'll see you next week right here. Making the Leap is a podcast presentation
0: courtesy of the Herzog Foundation. Please rate and comment on the show as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we'll see you next time on Making the Leap.